Hi, I'm Wayne Drain. And I'm Noel Richards. Noel, let's continue our conversation about worship and our journey and how things have gone for us and what we've gleaned from it. Yes, I think we can look back on a journey that has spanned several decades, Wayne. Scary, isn't it? It really is scary, yes. But we're still excited. We're still here. Like Elton John said, we're still standing. We're still standing. That's it. So, Wayne, being an American, the the, the Jesus Revolution was quite uh, an important part of your life. Can you tell us a little bit about the music and how that shaped your journey? Back in 72, I was watching uh, the Jesus gathering at Dallas Stadium. I saw Andre Crouch come out and sing. It gave me hope that there could be good music in church. Was there bad music in church up until that <laughs> yeah. point? I started writing songs. I started doing concerts as a contemporary Christian artist. I got to be around people like Second Chapter of Acts, around Keith Green, others like that. And I was, I started hearing the music of Larry Norman, of Love Song. And it was like they were singing what I was living we didn't have uh, the internet then, we didn't have cell phones, but we were having these festivals. And so we would show up at festivals and, and some of the same guys would be there. And I got to know them and we were just singing songs that God was giving us about what we were experiencing. There was no industry, although contemporary Christian music was beginning and there would be an industry. It was more about people getting saved. It was about folks that needed Jesus like we did. And I remember Larry Norman's song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And that was an appeal for folks to come to Jesus, which is what the Jesus Revolution was all about. And then uh, our church was forming around June and I on our university, Arkansas Tech University. And we would just take these songs out on the weekend and we would do concerts and festivals and we'd see a lot of people come to the Lord and and I remember doing uh, leading music up in a camp in Minnesota, and I met some British guys there and ended up being invited to Britain. I think it was 1979, and my life would change again. I saw what was later would be called the, the worship movement. That was the early days. And I started, instead of singing about God, I started singing to God, and it was transforming for me. And I thought, this is what I, I want to do. So I I had transitioned from being a contemporary Christian artist to this whole focus on worship that had elements of all the early parts as well, because it was rock and roll worship. Mm, right. it, it was not stayed worship. It was rock and roll. And I, so it was pretty it's pretty good transition for me. But when I got there, you were there with a bunch of other of your contemporaries and you were exploring some of the same ways in worship that we'd been exploring in what we call Jesus music. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, I was just thinking while you were talking that those songs or those bands that were coming out of uh, the Calvary Chapel, uh, Maranatha music back in the 70s, they they weren't actually worship songs. They They weren't singing to God. They were singing about God. Right. And, you know, when when you were starting out pastoring a small congregation, a youth church, I guess, in Arkansas. Where did you draw your worship songs from? I mean, what were you singing in those days? Well, we started singing songs that were on the radio, and we would just change uh, the words. Like we'd do a Cat Stevens song. 
okay. uh, about, a, about a girl and would change it to sing about Jesus. So it was more of those kind of songs, and every meeting was about people getting saved. So we sang those evangelistic songs, contemporary songs. But then we just started wanting to sing more personally to God. Right. So we started writing a few little courses, and I met the Garretts in New Zealand, and we started uh, singing some scripture courses. And so there was a, there was just a combination of when we were out on the road, still contemporary Christian artists, but when we were home, we were starting to sing praise and worship music. And there wasn't a lot around, so we had to write our own songs. I've also just been thinking while you've been talking, that triggered a memory in me, that back in the early 70s, there was, there was quite a, a, a spirituality in mainstream music. So for me, you know, Cat Stevens recording that song, Morning Has Broken. Yeah. And then a kind of a funny thing for me was I love, uh, still love the song by George Harrison, My Sweet Lord. And there's a Doobie Brothers that's saying Jesus is just all right. Well, I used to sing uh, My Sweet Lord in my concerts. Mm. And then somebody came up to me one day and said, no, you do realize what you're singing. And I didn't realize at the time that George Harrison was singing about his faith uh, in Hare Krishna. Mm-hmm. So he was singing Hare Hare Krishna Krishna. Mm-hmm. So uh, I used to change that line to Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. My sweet Lord, Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were using some of those songs that were in the charts, just like you, right. because there was a spirituality in those early 70s songs. There was something happening at that time. Well, Elton John wrote a song that had a line, I see Jesus freaks in the street. Mm. So there, there was at least a recognition on Time magazine, on Life magazine. They were talking about the Jesus Revolution. We're starting to be called Jesus freaks, and we wore that as a badge of honor. Right. Okay. <laughs> but uh, looking at my own uh, experience in the UK, I think it was probably the late seventies when I I discovered that you could actually have a rock and roll band leading worship, and I went to a Bible week. Remember those? Mm-hmm. I went to a Bible Week in Cobham in the UK, hosted by our good friend Gerald Coates, uh, who's now with the Lord. And it was the first time I'd seen a rock and roll band leading worship. Mm-hmm. And it was wild. People dancing at the front. Didn't you love it? I loved it. <laughs> it was like, wow, this is something I've never seen before. You know, guitars, drums, bass, as loud as you like. People just having fun, celebrating God. Turn it up to 11. Yeah, turn it up to 11. And that was it. There was no turning back for me after that. And there were some great songs coming out at that period of time. People like Graham Kendrick and Dave Bilbra, Chris Bowater, Dave Fellingham were writing contemporary worship songs, mm. which just went viral, just went around the UK. Mm. And, it, and it's interesting as well that those songs went where the prophets couldn't go. Yes. Because... People weren't too sure about what was coming out of the new churches, the house churches. You know, the the leaders of the house church movement were seen as particularly wacky and Mm -hmm. left of center. But the songs traveled Mm -hmm. and those songs got into churches. The prophets couldn't get there Mm -hmm. because they would not be accepted. But our songs traveled. And and somebody said that, you know, what the songwriter does is he condenses into a a four-minute song what a preacher preaches in about 30 minutes. Or an hour. Or an hour, yeah. And we were taking those messages, you know, the the direction of the new churches, which was about community, loving one another, loving God, loving our neighborhood, 
living in friendship, in fellowship with each other, real fellowship, not just a handshake on a Sunday morning, but actually sharing lives. Right. We were trying to get back to that New Testament uh, yes. principle of just sharing life together in and out of each other's homes, having things in common, sharing cars, sharing resources. And our worship was a reflection of that. And we felt this was this was it. We had the answer to everything back then mm -hmm. in, in the late 70s, early 80s. A lot of pressure, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, we then inspired a whole generation of new songwriters. Now, during that time, you saw different movements pop up that had songs that were associated with those movements mm. about that same time as you were in the house church movement, but your songs traveled. And you started going to other nations and you mm. started seeing things happen like, I think you were at the Toronto Revival and there were other yeah. places you were at. You want to mention that? Yeah, well, again, they had their own worship leaders. They they had their songs. They had their focus. Mm -hmm. And and so there was a sound that accompanied that movement, just like uh, the March for Jesus right. movement. There were songs. Obviously, Graham was writing most, if not all, of the songs for March for Jesus. And it was just incredible how those songs inspired a generation to go out and not protest, but say, here we are, this is what we're for, these are the values of the church. Do you think that was an attempt to worship Jesus in the streets? Very much so, taking prayer and, and worship onto the streets. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that the Brazil March for Jesus was like... A million people, something like that? Well, it was huge. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if it was half a million or a million, but mm, mm. it's just phenomenal, really, how something that was birthed in the heart of a few guys in the UK travelled around the world. Mm. And that's what movements do. Oh, yeah. And all this before the internet. Yes. Before social media. Mm -hmm. This has been our little journey, and we're still on the road. We're still writing songs. We're still leading worship. We're still involved with musicians. But where is it all going now? What do you think, Wayne? Well, you know, I think I got a glimpse back in January and February of this year when uh, I'd been watching the Chosen series about about Jesus and the disciples. And then um, a couple things happened. Something broke out in Asbury. People are calling it now the Asbury Revival, and mm. a little town in Kentucky of 6,000 people had over 100,000 people come in over a seven- or eight-day period. And having the Internet, it just traveled a lot quicker. Right. A lot of folks found out about it to the point that the city fathers had to turn people away and say, we have no more room to do something else. And that happened, and it just captured the imagination. I understand that it's gone to many, many other campuses since then around our nation. I've been to some of them, and it, the passion is, uh, it feels a mixture of nostalgia that I felt before and a prophetic edge of what's to come. And then about a few weeks after that, the Jesus Revolution was released, the movie about what happened in the Jesus movement in the 70s. And I remember going to the movie myself, and uh, I had to go back and see it a second time. And then looking around, I noticed there was young people there, mm. not just gray-headed people from the Jesus movement, but a lot of young people. And I started finding that folks coming up to me, especially Gen Zers and others, would come up and say, hey, you were in the Jesus movement. What's that like? And then 
also, that's what we, we want our own movement. Would you pray for us? Yeah. So that started happening in places as I traveled around, especially the United States. And I started hearing a sound that was broader than an American sound, a British sound, a rock and roll sound. It's more of a collaborative sound that's a mixture of various styles. But I thought about what Revelation says, that they'll come from every tribe, people group, and nation. And it seems like there's a global sound mm, beginning right. to rise. And, and Noel, I know that you've continued since Wembley. You've gone to stadium after stadium. And won't you tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in the, those gatherings and what you're experiencing about the new and the old coming together? Yeah, well, I think that there's a sound being awakened across the nations. I was in Madrid just a few weeks ago. I went to a Latin American church, mm. and it was it was a party. Mm -hmm. It was wild. The band was one of the best church bands I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And just the excitement and the celebration of who God is and the creativity the visuals that they were using. And it wasn't just a, a youth church. This was all ages from, you know, young children right up to older people. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a party. It was life. It's the place you wanted to be on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a tremendous sounds that uh, are being released in different cultural groups, cultural situations, different nations. It's wonderful. You said every tribe, tongue and nation. Mm -hmm. And we're continuing to see stadiums being filled. I have a friend in Hungary who is continuing to see large events happening. So I think there's a place for the large event, uh, but I also think there's a place for worship around the table, Yes. for intimacy, for us to get back to maybe the organic worship, where we didn't worry about having all the words on a screen. We just sat around in a circle with our guitars and we just sang songs and just enjoyed the presence of God. I was just in Wales last week, and we decided to meet in a barn mm. with no PA, no amplification, just acoustic guitars, and we had a wonderful violinist. And we just worshipped, and it was cold, it was rainy, it was wet, as Wales often is. But our songs began to focus on crying out for those old Wales of Wales, uh, of the Welsh Revival to reopen. And not just to repeat that. No. But God brings out of his storehouse treasures new and old. And I see a mixing of what the fathers laid down their lives for us with the sons and daughters wanting to go to where they're going with their mm. sound. And I was very encouraged. We would go and pray up on mountaintops. We would worship in barns. We would sit around a living room and just begin to play and see where it went. And some new songs came out of that. And it was the creativity came out of that. And, and uh, if you judged it by a large number of people, it would have been a flop. But for what it was, I thought it was a fantastic thing I got to be a part of. And I think the Lord is is wanting us to throw our self-imposed boundaries away. Mm. So if we're in a stadium like you are yeah. on one day, fantastic. If we're in a barn in Wales with no PA the next day, fantastic. Beautiful. God said to Moses, one day my glory will fill the earth. Mm. And I think that's something of what's happening. I think there's a global 
worship awakening that is happening that's going to fill the earth from the valleys in Wales to along the beaches in California to Sydney, Australia, wherever, in Madrid, the places that you've been. I think I'm as excited right now about where music could go Mm. than I've been in a long time. Yes. People often say the best is yet to come. But I really do think that these are the best days we're living in right now. Yeah. And in 20 years' time, they'll be the best days Mm -hmm. as well. So these are the good old days. These these are the good old days. (laughs) And so let's enjoy these good old days and the good old days to come. Amen, brother. Absolutely. (laughs) That's all for now, folks. Do send us an email if you'd like to comment on anything we've said or ask us questions. But thank you for listening.